Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We are continuing our series of sermons on Paul's letter to the Philippians today. And with the help of the Lord, we want to consider Philippians 1, verse 21. There the Apostle Paul writes these words, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We're going to focus our attention today on just the last part of this verse, to die is gain. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, one day, unless our Lord returns, you and I and every single person on the face of this planet must die. Now, most people today don't like to speak or even think about death. Some avoid the subject altogether, or they do everything in their power to prolong their lives as long as possible but not the believer in Jesus Christ. The believer in Jesus Christ lives in two worlds. He has one foot on earth and the other foot in heaven. And while he does not long for death, he does not fear death either. In fact, he regards death as an advantage, even as gain. And that's precisely what the Apostle Paul expresses in the words of our text today. Paul had just informed the Philippians about his circumstances. He told them that although he was still under house arrest in Rome, that the cause of the gospel was still advancing. In verse 13, he says, It had become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that his chains were in Christ. And in verse 14, he says that most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by his chains, were much more bold to speak the word without fear. And because of this, Paul expressed his confidence that he would be delivered through the prayers of the Philippians and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and that whether he lived or whether he died, Christ would be magnified. And then by way of explanation of that statement, Paul declares in verse 21 that for him to live was Christ and to die gain. Well, last week we considered the first part of this verse, for me to live is Christ. And today, as I said, with the Lord's help, we'll consider the second part of this verse, to die is gain. So my theme today is the believer's gain in death. And we'll see that this gain is, first of all, unexpected. Secondly, it is unsurpassed. And thirdly, it is unending. Paul in our text declares that for him, death is gain. Now this is not what we might have expected Paul to say. And the reason is because we tend to think of death as loss, not as gain. And for good reason. Because in the first place, death results in separation. It results in separation from the people we love. 
Death separates husbands from their wives and wives from their husbands. It separates parents from their children and children from their parents. Death separates friends. Death also results in separation from the possessions we love, our home, our earthly treasures, our belongings. Furthermore, death results in separation from the places we love, a favorite park, a a city, a viewpoint, a lake, a restaurant, a campground. And when you consider all of this, the question may well be asked, how then can death be gained? But secondly, death results in decomposition. When we die, the body that we cared for throughout our lives will decompose and return to the dust from which it was formed. And that's exactly what God said to Adam. After Adam partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said to Adam, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you shall return. That's a terrible thought. To think that our bodies will one day turn to dust, and yet it is true. And in light of that, we may well ask, how then can death be gained? Thirdly, death involves pain and sorrow for our loved ones whom we leave behind. This is the deepest pain that we can ever experience, especially the pain of losing a child. Sometimes that pain and sorrow can last for years, even an entire lifetime. And it can be debilitating in some cases. And in light of that, how then can death be gained? Fourthly, death means an end to our earthly labors. For most of us, that's not an issue. When we die, the company we work for will simply replace us with somebody else, and life will continue on as it always has. But it was not so simple for the Apostle Paul. Paul, you see, had so much to offer. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ and a missionary and a theologian. He had so much experience, so much knowledge. His death would be a great loss to the churches. And Paul himself acknowledged that in verse 24 after telling the Philippians that he was hard-pressed between remaining here and departing with Christ. Paul says that to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Well, if that's so, how then can he say that death for him would be gain? And so Paul's statement here is unexpected. We never would have expected him or anyone for that matter to say that death is gain. And yet he does. Why? Well, that brings us to our second point. Paul could say that for him, death was gain because death enabled him to partake of unsurpassed riches. Now you say, what were those riches? Well, we can mention several things. First of all, death for the believer is gain because it brings him into a state of perfect knowledge. And by this I mean perfect knowledge of Christ. I mentioned already to know Christ is or ought to be the aim of every true believer. And Paul himself says as much in Philippians 3, after listing all the things that he thought could commend him before God, Paul declares that what things were gained to him, he counted loss for Christ. And then he writes in verse 8 these words, Yet indeed I also count all things loss 
for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say this, that his aim or goal was to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Yes, Paul wanted to know Christ. He didn't simply want to know certain facts about Christ. He wanted to know Him. He wanted to know Christ Himself personally and experientially. And dear friends, what was true for the Apostle Paul must be true of every believer in Christ. This is why Peter in 2 Peter 3 verse 18 exhorts his readers to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, every believer should desire to grow in his or her knowledge of Christ. Now in death, the believer will have perfect knowledge of Christ. We will not only know about him, but we will know him perfectly, fully, completely. Now maybe somebody says, well, do we not know him already in this life? Yes, we do. But as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, now in this life we see in a mirror dimly. But in the life to come, we will see face to face. In other words, everything will become clear. We will come to know God and Christ like we never have before. In a sermon on this text, the Scottish preacher of the 19th century, Robert Johnstone, describes the knowledge that believers will have in this eloquent way. He writes, that in the life to come we shall have knowledge to a degree and in modes of which now we cannot even form any conception. Being then perfectly pure in heart, we shall see God no longer darkly as by a mirror, but face to face. Our spirits will apprehend His excellencies, not slowly, indirectly, inferentially as now, but by a direct intuition far more certain and distinct and satisfying than is now the action of the eye or any bodily sense. We shall no longer have to content ourselves with gathering pebbles on the shore of the great ocean of truth, but shall soar over its waters with bold, untiring wing or fearlessly plunge into their depths and with unfailing success explore their wonders we shall know then even as we are known yes dear friends death brings perfect knowledge of god and of christ and in light of that can we not agree that death for the believer is gain but secondly death for the believer is gain because it brings him into a state of perfect holiness in this life we will never be perfectly holy Yes, the moment we come to Christ, the dominion of sin is broken. But sin itself is not eradicated, not completely. We still have a sinful nature. And as long as we live, that old man within us will do battle against the new man. But in the life to come, the old man will be put to death once and for all. Then, as the Scriptures say, the spirits of just men will be made perfect. We shall be holy even as he is holy. And in light of that, can we not agree today that death for the believer is gain? Thirdly, death for the believer is gain because it brings him into a state of perfect communion. 
You say communion with whom? Well, first of all, with his fellow believers. The Bible says that in the life to come, believers will sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to sit at the marriage supper implies fellowship and communion and love. And we experience something of, something of that already now, don't we? We experience something of that communion every time we gather together for worship in the house of God. Every time we pray together, every time we speak to each other about God and the things of God, every time we encourage and comfort and build up one another in the faith, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we experience something of that communion. Sadly, due to our fall into sin, that communion is imperfect. In fact, sometimes it is completely broken. But in the life to come, this communion will be perfect. In the life to come, there will be no disharmony or anything to give rise to disharmony. We will love one another perfectly forever and ever and ever. And in light of that, can we not agree that death for the believer is gain? But most importantly, we will enjoy perfect communion with Christ. And how the believer longs for that. And the song of Solomon the Shulamite representing the church says of her beloved like an apple tree among the trees of the woods. So is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. And later that night when her beloved was missing she arose and went into the city. She walked. She searched the streets of the city and the squares and she called to the watchmen on the walls. Have you seen the one whom I love? And then all of a sudden she saw him, and when she saw him, she would not let him go until she had brought him into the house of her mother and into the chamber of her who conceived her. Well, such is the love that the believer has for the Lord Jesus Christ. Such is the longing that the believer experiences for Christ. Now again, the believer experiences something of that already in this life, but like our communion with our fellow believers, our communion with Christ is often imperfect and interrupted. We feel close to the Lord one day and not as close the next, but in the life to come that will no longer be the case. In the life to come, we will experience perfect and unbroken communion with Christ forever and ever. And in light of that, can we not agree that death for the believer is gain? But fourthly, death for the believer is gain because it brings him into a state of perfect freedom. Freedom from what, you ask? Well, freedom from sin. More specifically, death brings freedom from the power of sin. I mentioned already that in this life we will always have to wrestle against the power of sin. But in the life to come... Sin will no longer have any power over us at all. Its power will be broken once and for all. And we will also be free from the consequences of sin. In the life to come, there will be no more sickness, no more disease, no more disability, no more pandemics. There will be no natural disasters, no earthquakes, no hurricanes, no tornadoes. There will be no suffering, no persecution, no poverty, no want. There will be no consequences of sin at all. But not only will we enjoy freedom from, but we will also enjoy freedom to. Freedom to what? Freedom to serve and to worship God perfectly to all eternity. 
Again, in this life, there's so much that prevents us from doing that. The old man is still so strong in the believer. And what is more, our flesh is still so weak, and so is our faith, and we so easily give in to sin and to temptation. But in the life to come, that will no longer be the case. No longer will we forget to do our devotions. No longer will our minds wander in prayer or when listening to a sermon. No longer will, will, it, will we find greater delight in the things of the world than in the things of God. No longer will we find coming to church and prayer and reading and meditating on Scripture a drudgery. No longer will we spend most of our time and energy on ourselves and advancing our own goals and agendas and comfort. We shall be wholly and completely devoted to the service and the glory of God. My friends, in light of this, can we not agree that death for the believer is gain? Oh, I trust by now you will agree with me that we can. Death for the believer is not the end, but it is the beginning. The beginning of a life of perfection, of communion, of knowledge of God and of His Son. It is not a loss, but a gain. And what is more, it is an unending gain. And that brings us briefly to our third and final point. The gain that there is for the believer in death is not just temporary. No, my friends, it is eternal. And that means it goes on forever and ever and ever. To all eternity, the believer will enjoy perfect knowledge, perfect holiness, perfect communion, and perfect freedom. And that's because in the life to come, there is no death. Death, as we have seen, brings us to an end. It brings an end to everything, but in the life to come, there is no end. There's only eternal continuation. What is more, there is reason to believe that in the life to come, there will be growth and development. In the life to come, we will not remain stagnant spiritually. No, we'll grow. We'll grow in knowledge, in holiness, in communion, and in freedom. Is that not wonderful? We can hardly imagine what life is like in heaven as it is. But to think that we will grow in everything that makes heaven gain, and that we will do so to an everlasting eternity... That is almost too much for us to imagine. But it is true. The gain that death brings will be unending. Well, allow me to close with five concluding applications. We've seen that death for the believer is gain. Well, if that is so, then first of all, we should not be consumed by grief when loved ones pass away in the Lord. And there are people who do this. And I'm talking here about professing Christians. And they may have been married for 50, 60, or 70 years and their spouse passes away or they lose a parent or a child and they never seem to get over it. And they fall into a deep depression and they find no pleasure or joy in anything anymore. They just seem to exist. Now while losing a loved one is hard, it should never consume us. For if they died in the Lord, then death for them is gain. And knowing that enables us to get on with life and even to enjoy life again, knowing that our loved one is in a better place and that one day we will see them again. 
Secondly, if death for the believer is gain, then we should not set our hearts on the things of this world. And that's a temptation for all of God's people in every age, especially we who live in the affluent West. But my friends, if death is gain, we should not do this. Why not? Because this life and the things of this life are only fleeting and temporary. We are here today and gone tomorrow and we can leave this life at any time and we cannot bring anything with us. All the things that we work so hard for, our car, our house, our retirement savings, all of these things will be left behind. In Job 1 verse 21, Job declares, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. And what was true of Job is true for every one of us. When we die, my friends, we will leave this life completely and utterly naked. And since that is so, let us not hammer our tent pegs too deeply into this earth. Rather, let us seek for and pursue after the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of His Father. Let us pay heed to the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19-21, to 21, who said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thirdly, if death for the believer is gain, then we should look forward to the life to come. And I fear we don't do that enough. We're so tied to the things of this life that we don't think nearly as much as we should about the life to come, nor do we look forward to it. But how different was Paul's perspective? Philippians 1 verse 23, after telling the Philippians that he might live or die, Paul writes this. He says, I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. For Paul to depart and to be with Christ was far better than anything that this world had to offer. And that ought to be the case for every true believer in Christ. Every true believer should look forward with eager anticipation and longing for the life to come. Now I know that when we're young, we have our whole life ahead of us. Or when we have dependent children, we do not look forward to death as much as when we are older. That's true. And that's only natural. The truth is, life is a gift to be enjoyed and to be used to the glory of God. But even so, there should be at least some desire to depart and to be with Christ. And if there isn't, then something is wrong. The degree to which we desire to depart and to be with Christ is a litmus test of the state of our hearts before God. Fourthly, if death for the believer is gain, then we should praise and magnify God, for He made it such through Christ. 
Did the Apostle Paul not say so himself? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul defends the doctrine of the resurrection. And at the end of that chapter, you remember how Paul concludes with these ringing words, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, did you hear that? God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over what, you say? Victory over death and the grave. And therefore, we should rejoice and give thanks to God and praise and magnify our Savior for securing for us such a great and glorious redemption. Fifthly and finally, if death for the believer is gain, then we must make haste and repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if we have not done so. And why is that? Because that is the only way death can be a gain for us. Make no mistake, my friends, Paul here is not providing an axiom for all men. He's not saying that death is gain for everyone. He writes, for me! To live is Christ, and to die is gain. And all the emphasis falls on those words, for me, for me as a believer, for me who has come to Christ as a poor miserable sinner and is looking to Him and His atoning sacrifice as the only hope and ground of my salvation, and who by the power of His Holy Spirit dwelling within me is striving to live a holy life to the glory and praise of God. Yes, for me and for all who are like me, death is gain and for no one else. What about those who are not believers? Well, for them, death is not gain at all, but a great loss. In fact, it is the greatest and saddest of losses. And that's because when they die, they will not enter into eternal life, but into eternal death. They will go to that place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, and there they will remain for an everlasting eternity. So the question comes to you and to me, where will you be when you die? Oh, do not let your death be a loss. Rather, seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Death for the believer is great gain. And we've seen that this gain is unexpected. It is unsurpassed. And it is unending. And since that is so, dear believer, do not fear it. Death will usher you into the presence of your King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you behold Him and see your loved ones and all those who have passed away in the Lord, you will, with an overwhelming joy, sense of gratitude, as you bend your knee before Him who sits on the throne, and you shall exclaim, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X, 
2M9. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at banneroftruthradio.com. That's banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. That's frcna.org. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.